Welcome in. It is Unleashed. Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. We have an opponent, familiar opponent. It is the Dallas Cowboys who just beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 31-14 on Monday Night Football. And uh, it wasn't even that close. Uh, Brady did not look good. So we'll get into everything. I got the chat line wide open. If you want to chat, jump on that. Uh, by the way, podcast always every day we drop that each morning so uh if you're watching on the youtube channel of course subscribe on the youtube channel unleashed john lund bay area sports talk with me john lund from KMBR radio 10 a.m to 2 p.m my day job with the voice of the 49ers uh, greg poppin we'll talk all about this game tomorrow listen on the podcast as well uh at john lund radio anytime you can uh, interact with me and the show put the comments and the chat in the uh, chat section we'll chat as well but uh, hit me up Any questions, comments, initial thoughts on taking on the Cowboys before we get into the Cowboys? By the way, uh, subscribe to the uh, podcast as well. Uh, Anywhere you get your favorite podcast, whether that's uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So thanks for tuning in to the live chat. I appreciate it. I want to get your thoughts on uh, what's going on as far as the Cowboys are concerned. But before we get to the Cowboys, and they did look impressive in the 31-14 victory over Tom and the Bucks tonight, um, I just get the sense, and I think you've been watching sports long enough as well if you're tuning into the chat. <clears throat> I've been doing this about 25 years. Uh, Tom Brady almost retired last year, and then uh, he came on in the Let's Go podcast, and he said he was going to retire, then he unretired, then the, the season happened that, that happened, and all the stuff that happened in his personal life. And I'm not trying to say I know Tom Brady at all. It's just that you could tell with athletes a lot of times, it's not a gradual decline. It's, it's a fall off the cliff. And it wasn't his fault completely. They had offensive line issues. We saw them here uh, in the Bay Area, and they lost 35-7. to And just offensively, they just didn't look very good. And Tom Brady didn't look very good. I mean, he, he has such a high standard. I don't know if Tom Brady can, for example, go to the Raiders or go to another team. I don't know. Whatever team would need him and play at just a good level and not a great level, not an elite level. A lot of athletes just can't. They can't accept the sixth man role. They can't accept the reduced role. They can't accept the fact that, you know, they can't carry a team anymore. I, I don't know, Brady. Maybe just the he can't get a high like this anywhere else. I have no idea. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Maybe there's an injury we don't, didn't know about. Because remember, when he left the field in Foxborough after that Titans loss and he had thrown an interception – actually Logan Ryan, one of his former teammates, and everybody kind of looked at it and went, well, that's the end for Brady. He can't play anymore. And then he kind of resurrected himself, went to Tampa, went to Super Bowl, has three, I would say, successful seasons there, although this one wasn't very good. They were eight and nine and got blown out by the Cowboys tonight. But he just didn't look very good. And I'm not sure if there's something wrong with him. But if that's the Tom Brady moving forward, why wouldn't you retire? You have a $327 million guaranteed contract with Fox to go call games. Maybe that's not exhilarating. Maybe it doesn't do what playing quarterback in the NFL does. Maybe all his business ventures and all the different things he could do to make a ton of money don't do the things uh, that, that what a football field does. And, look, he loves football. There's no question. But everybody has been trying to, to predict the demise or jump to the conclusion that there is a demise of Tom Brady. And you certainly saw it during this season, and you certainly saw it tonight. And because there was a lot of issues with Tampa all season long, but Tom Brady wasn't great. He was good. Uh, tonight he was okay, and I'm stretching on that one, but we might have seen the last of, of Tom Brady. As he was running off the field, his mom, Galen, and his dad, Tom Sr., were there. He quickly embraced them and then ran off the field. Look, I'm not saying he has his mind made up, Troy Aikman, the entire time, and I didn't watch the Manning cast probably for the first time in forever. Uh, but Aikman was alluding to he doesn't know what he's going to do, but he certainly wasn't very good. So before we get to the Cowboys and the 49ers, and that's who, by the way, 31-14, if you're just tuning into the uh, the live chat, 31-14, and the 49ers will play the Cowboys at 3.30, kind of a strange start time. At 3.30 at Levi's Stadium, which is expected to be dry uh, this weekend. So we'll get into all those kind of things, but I think we've seen the last of Tom Brady. I think we should have seen the last of Tom Brady. I have no idea what's in his head, but I just wanted to address that first. He wasn't very good. So, give me your thoughts on that. Uh, Alejandro checks in. He says, uh, oh, I almost spilled something there, and that would have been bad all over the electronics. Uh, Alejandro says, uh, what's up, dude? You and Papa make my job easier. Ian J. Gallo Winery, y'all are the best. Thank you, Alejandro. Uh, much appreciated. You're the best. Thank you for, for checking in. I appreciate it. Uh, I, that wouldn't be a bad gig, working in a winery. Yeah, I, I would like that. 
Uh, as far as what the, uh, if again, you get any questions, got any comments, give me your thoughts on this whole thing. Initial thoughts on uh, Dallas, if they play the way they did, and I think the, the Buccaneers aren't very good, but if they play the way that they did tonight, and I, I don't fear them. We did a poll on our show today on KNBR, which you can hear me weekdays with Craig Popper, the voice of the 49ers from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We did a poll, uh, who would you rather play? And I think it was like two-thirds would rather play the Buccaneers for, for obvious reasons. We saw them earlier on in the season. They're just not good. I mean, they got them beat 35-7, to and it wasn't even that close. Uh, Brady tonight, 35-66, 351, two touchdowns, one interception. That doesn't tell the whole story. It wasn't very good. The story you care about, Dak Prescott went 25-33, 305, four touchdowns, no interceptions. That's a 143.3 rating, and he ran for a touchdown as well. So Dak against Washington in the final game of the year looked clueless. They didn't have a whole lot to play for because the Giants weren't playing anybody in Philly was going to win that division and win the one seed, which was going to drop Dallas to the five seed anyway. So maybe he just wasn't sharp. Uh, people have complained about his interceptions. He threw 15 to Dak Prescott uh, this season, which was the most in the NFL. If you go back and watch the games and watch some of the tape, even though there's not tape anymore, so it's not really tape, but if you go back and watch video of their season, and I'm not making an excuse for Dak Prescott, um, a lot of balls went off guys' hands. The Jags game went right off guys' hands, got interception. They got a game-winning field goal. Look, he can make, he'll make mistakes, and we'll get into just part of the issues because the 49ers now with the playoff game, plus 15 in turnover ratio. They were plus 13 during the regular season. They were plus six against the Seahawks in three games, which helped them win those games. There's no question turnovers have helped them, and they have uh, – that has turned things around. And, and they're not luck. The Charles Amenehue turnover was 23-17 with two minutes in the third quarter, left in the third quarter. Seattle's driving down. Amenehue knocks that ball out of Geno's hands. Nick Boson jumps on it. That's a game-changing play. So could Dak Prescott throw an interception? Can Dak Prescott make a dumb play? Yeah, but the Dak Prescott that played against the Buccaneers, and the Buccaneers have a decent defense. I scratched my head all season long. Look, okay, I understand offensively, Brady, the offensive line, they couldn't run the ball, all those kind of things, but defensively they should have been a lot better. But outside of the first couple of drives, and I was just watching uh, Dak Prescott on the postgame show, on ESPN, and he said, yeah, I was a little bit nervous. It's the playoffs. I mean, that, that's Brock Purdy was the same way. Uh, so, it, you know, it takes a minute to get settled back into the playoffs. So Dallas wins 31-14. If that's the deck Prescott, you're going to see four touchdown passes, no interceptions, ran for a touchdown. That's going to be a problem for the 49ers. Um, I'll start looking at some of the matchups as well, but just give me your thoughts. Uh, 49ers are going to take on the Cowboys uh, in this game coming up on Sunday, it's a 3.30 start. Another guy that makes me a little bit nervous as well, and by the way, l- let me just go on record as saying this, for, uh, saying this first and foremost. The 49ers now have won 11 consecutive games, and I said this this morning on my show on KMBR. I didn't care if it was Dallas. I didn't care if it was Tampa. The 49ers should win this game. They don't have a mindset of, let's win the wild card, let's win the divisional. They have the mindset of, they want to win the Super Bowl. So, we always say that the divisional is kind of the best week of football, even though Super Wild Card Weekend now gives it a run because now you get a game like tonight where it's a Monday night game. You're like, this is cool. This is really cool. So you get more football, especially when the 49ers play on Saturday. I don't know about you. I love that early start. I'm kind of bummed that it's the late Sunday game because then your team wins and you can relax the rest of the weekend. You can lay on the couch. You're like, oh, my team already won. I'm just going to watch all these games, and I just enjoyed it, getting it, you know, getting the work out of the way, and then – and then watching the rest of the games in the weekend. But obviously you're not going to be able to do that when Dallas plays on a Monday, which, by the way, since we're talking about it and bringing it up, they have an advantage because they've been resting for a couple of days. They already did work on Tampa earlier this year, and not a lot has changed. So I would imagine that Kyle probably got a jump on Dallas. They played Dallas in the playoffs last year. Some things have changed, not a ton. I mean, Micah Parsons is still really good. Dak's still the quarterback. I would say in the backfield, and I was looking at this before, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you these numbers, but last year in the playoff game in which the 49ers won 23-17 when Dak slid and, and didn't have any time left on the clock, Tony Pollard only had four carries in that game. He's a totally different guy this year. Uh, Noah Amari Cooper, uh, CeeDee Lamley had one catch, I think, for 18 yards last year, so there's going to be some different things. Micah Parsons is a disruptor on just about every play. He is their Nick Bosa. And again, if we're being completely honest – and Nick is going to win Defensive Player of the Year 
But if you watch tonight's game and if you watch the Cowboys with any regularity, Micah Parsons makes a ton of plays. And just like Nick, they're not plays that end up in the box score. They're just they're disruptors. They they make a guy rush a pass or he he does something that opens something up for somebody else. I mean, you watch that all night long. Micah Parsons is an issue. And so the 49ers are going to have to do what teams do with Nick Bosa, which is, okay, where the hell is 11 on every single play? And there are some opportunities, and we'll get into some things in terms of matchups and so forth, but that's kind of that's – that's a major problem. So anyway, thanks for joining us. John Lund Unleashed, various sports talk with me. John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Cowboys beat the Bucks Again, I gave you Dax numbers, 25 at 33, 305, four touchdowns. Tony Pollard, 15 for 77, 5-1. Uh, the Cowboys on the ground, that's that magical 30. They had 34 carries for 129. So their their mix was 33 passes, 34 runs. That's exactly what you want. Tampa's mix was 66 throws. Brady threw it 66 times. 66 throws for Brady and 12 runs. I, you don't even have to look at the scoreboard. Brady threw it 66. They ran it 12? Yeah, you lost the game. You were behind uh, from the get-go. So, Tony Pollard, who only had four carries in that uh, 49ers victory, had 15 for 77. He's clearly their best back. Zeke had 13 for 27. Dalton Schultz is an issue. He's a guy that gets lost. He had seven for 95 on Monday night with two touchdowns. CeeDee Lamb, four for 68 in a touchdown. Michael Gallup, five for 46 in a touchdown. And T.Y. Hilton, remember T.Y. Hilton, the old Colt? Uh, he had a couple of catches in this game. So, they do have some guys offensively. They don't have the weapons that the 49ers have, no question about it. But... Dallas Doves have some weapons, and when Dak Prescott is playing well, uh, that can be an issue. So there's a couple of things from that standpoint. Now, do I expect them defensively? The thing that's interesting defensively is uh, Leighton Van Der Esch is pretty good inside. I to- we already know all about uh, Micah Parsons. We don't have to talk about that. Where I, where I see some ways to take advantage, they're kind of in a similar situation to the 49ers in that their top or their second corner gone for the year, and it's the same thing that happened to the 49ers. With Shavarius Ward being their one, you lose Emmanuel Mosley, which, by the way, I was looking at last year's numbers, which that game happened a year ago today. January 16, 2022, the 49ers beat the Cowboys at Jerry World 23-17. to So it's exactly a year to the day, and we find out we're going to play them again. And obviously there's a huge history between these two teams. But uh, Van Der Esch is solid. Their defensive line is pretty solid. They can get after you as far as the pass rush is concerned. But on the opposite corner of Trevon Diggs, and by the way, they took advantage of him. So let's stick a pin in that for a second because we'll talk about it. But in terms of some matchups, now they've got a, they've got Xavier Rhodes out there. They have, another, they have a rookie corner out there. So that's one that I'm sure Kyle right now as we are speaking is going through the lab and saying, okay, there's a weak spot. You know, that's what they do. They sit there and they go, okay, where are we attacking? Okay, well, we're, they got a second corner, and they're down to like their third or fourth corner on that side. We're attacking that guy. And if you remember the game last year in Texas, Trevon Diggs is incredibly aggressive, and so they had a lot of double moves. Brandon, I beat him, I remember, on a on a, uh, a deep over route, and he's just, you know, double moves, those kind of things. So they'll do that again on Trevon Diggs. He had great numbers last year, had 13 interceptions, and everyone was like, oh, all pro and this and that, but you could take advantage of him because he was so aggressive. Uh, He's not quite that aggressive, but uh, he can definitely be beat even though he's a good corner. It's just that he's an aggressive corner. So they can take advantage of some of those things. They've got to be able to block up front because every time you get into a long situation, and it was cool watching Brock Purdy as we look back at the, the win for the 49ers. It was cool when Brock Purdy... Uh, was running away from defenders, and Pete Carroll said afterwards he looked like Fran Tarkenton. If you're part of the young demo, look it up. Um, but you don't want to make a living doing that. You want to make a living getting rid of the football. Boom, 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 boom. That's what Brock Purdy does. He made some nice plays. I'm not saying he didn't. The ball, the one that was the most impressive scramble in which Brandon A. dropped the ball in the in the corner of the end zone. I mean, if that was a it was a catch that had to be made. Maybe Brandon Ayuk makes that catch, but you don't necessarily want to be doing that against Micah Parsons because, one, he's faster than Brock Purdy. He's more athletic than Brock Purdy, and what's going to happen is teams, because he doesn't, if you watch him, and again, far be it from me to criticize Brock Purdy because Brock Purdy is God right now around here, and I get it, but one of the things is is he's carrying that thing kind of like a loaf of bread out there, and 
what is fun and, and what we're, you know, we're having a good time and he's scrambling and he's doing great. And I love Brock Purdy and he's playing great. I'm not saying he's not, but one of the things he can improve on, he's not Joe Montana quite yet. People is that he is a little loose with the ball and teams are going to say, okay, as Dallas is getting ready for this and they'll probably wait for the morning as Dallas starts looking at this and they say, okay, Brock Purdy has been really good, but where can we attack him? Oh, he holds the ball loose. Micah Parsons, when you're in there, go get it. So that could be one of those things where it was great against Seattle, but you start to get it better and better teams, and they're going to knock that ball around. And then we talk about the turnover margin in which the 49ers have been the benefactors of so often this year and were twice against the Seahawks. And the one play by a Menahue, which turned the game around, then all of a sudden you're looking at this thing going, Phew, man, uh, maybe we don't want him doing that. So anyway, 31-14, the Cowboys win it. I gave you the numbers as far as that goes. As far as the game last year, and this is what I was looking at, 23-17, uh, 49ers beat the Cowboys. And if you remember that game, the 49ers, let me, let me go over to the play-by-play of the game itself because I just, I'm doing this off the top of my head. 49ers went right down the field. They got the ball uh, first. Yeah, and they took it right down the field. Elijah Mitchell with a four-yard run. So they're fir- the first time they got the football a year ago today in Dallas, seven plays, 75 yards in 4.06. And they t- took a quick seven-zip lead. Then they got a field goal, nine plays, 23 yards in 4.34. So they're up 10 nothing in this game. And it's a long time before they score again. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, what's going on here? Uh 13-7, 16-7, and then that's when, and so at half, uh, or excuse me, at the, yeah, end of the half, it's 16-7, and then remember, uh, Kwan Williams got that late interception, and that turned into the Debo touchdown, and that really sealed the game, and then they had to hold on at the end with the Dak Prescott slide, and they ended up winning that game 23-17, so that was really what it was. But they got that opening drive and went 7 nothing, and then all of a sudden, Dallas kind of stiffened defensively, and now with the weapons, now with Christian McCaffrey, and I'm going to go over this game and kind of what will be the differences versus the Cowboys this year, 23-17, January 16, 2022. And, of course, it starts first and foremost. Jimmy Garoppolo was not great in this game. He was 16-25, 172 yards, no touchdowns and an interception. Will Purdy play better than that? I would think so. Although we are starting to get a book on, on Brock Purdy, and although I think Brock will go outside the numbers more than what Jimmy did, uh, it was it was in cut in cut in cut in cut. I mean that's just what they were they were beating Seattle with. That's where they thought the uh, value was offensively, and then Seattle kind of contra- or, uh, they countered that because they knew they were coming in with the kind of dropping those linebackers deep. But they made enough big plays. By the way, if you didn't join the show today, ten explosive plays for the 49ers in the victory over the Seahawks on Saturday, 10. Five runs, five passes, highlighted on the ground by the McCaffrey 68-yarder, highlighted through the air, the Debo 74-yarder. And, you know, I don't know that they're going to get 10 explosive plays against Dallas. We told you going into the game on my radio show on KMBR, the 49ers are number one in yak for the sixth consecutive year, yards after catch. And Seattle was 31st, which tells you Seattle doesn't tackle very well. Seattle sometimes doesn't take great angles all those kind of things. Dallas doesn't give up the yak yards that Seattle does, but last year in that playoff game, they did. So, number one, differences between then and now in exactly 365 days. Jimmy was 16 to 25, 172, no touchdowns and an interception. So, Brock Purdy is going to be better than that. I'm going to just go out on not much of a limb and say that. Uh, running the football, the 49ers, and this is huge, the 30-plus mark happened. 38 runs, 30 is the magic number for Kyle Shanahan, 38 runs, 169 yards, and two touchdowns. Elijah Mitchell was 27 for 96 in that game. Debo was 10 for 72, including that 26-yard touchdown run after the K1 Williams interception. Uh, Brandon Ayuk, 5 for 66. A lot of that, like I said, was against Trevon Diggs. And Debo, 3 for 38. So Debo touched it 13 times for about, what, 110 yards in that game. Juwan, three for 29. Here's another big difference I see in this game. George Kittle had one catch for 18 yards with all the other weapons, and this is how it, it, this is why it becomes so difficult on other defenses. Dallas can say, okay, we got to contain McCaffrey, or we got to contain Debo, or we got to contain – Brock Purdy said after the game on Saturday, you know what, I got to give George Kittle some more chances. 
And whether you know whether it was the play calls, whether it was the way Seattle was defending him, because remember he got two touchdowns against Seattle on December fifteenth. So I'm sure Seattle paid George Kittle more attention. But I would imagine against Dallas because it was a Debo day, which I told you it would be on the pregame show on the 49ers pregame show on Saturday. I just Debo had kind of been in wraps all season long. They hadn't really let him go. And in the playoffs, it's kind of like, hey man, pedal to the metal, and that's when Debo is at his best, and that's exactly what happened. And I expect the same thing against the Cowboys. If we need to run you, we're going to run you. Uh, we're not saving you for anything. So I think that Debo's going to have another big game. You can prep for Debo all you want. They can get him the ball in so many different situations. It just doesn't matter. I think that George Kittle is going to be one of the guys that you're going to to see have a big game against the uh, against the Cowboys. I just, I don't know. It's just a feeling I get that all these other weapons and everybody's looking at all these other weapons – Brandon Ayuk is always a fourth or a fifth option. I think he's going to have a big game against Dallas. It's just hard to shut down all the weapons, obviously, that the 49ers have. But a year ago, Elijah Mitchell, 27 for 96 against the Cowboys in the 23-17 win. Obviously, he's not going to carry to that level, but uh, he did have success against him last year. Christian McCaffrey wasn't around. So the biggest two things, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. Christian McCaffrey wasn't around. Uh, George Kittle only had one catch for 18. I just don't see that. Uh, coming around. By the way, this is kind of interesting. Emmanuel Mosley, who of course is out for the year, led the 49ers in tackles in that game with 12. And the other big thing that jumps out from the box score last year in the 23-17 playoff win over the Cowboys, 49ers had five sacks. 49ers had five sacks against the Cowboys in that game last year in Texas. Kevin Givens, who returned last week, half sack. Charles Ameni, who had one and a half. Maybe Charles Ameni, maybe just Charles Ameni, he was just a playoff guy. Because he had two sacks against Seattle. He had the, uh, the knockout, obviously, that was the, uh, the biggest play of the game defensively. So he had uh, one and a half sacks. Nick had a half a sack. Samson Ebocom had half a sack. DJ Jones, no longer with the team, had a sack. So five sacks and 14 quarterback hits, which is an astronomical number. So if you want a you key to victory, just looking at last year's box score, A, Running it 38 times against the against the Cowboys. Huge. Running it 38 times against the Cowboys last year. And five sacks and 14 quarterback hits last year. To put that in perspective, Dallas had no quarterback sacks last year and four quarterback hits on Jimmy Garoppolo. So that's that's a hell of a difference right there. K1 Williams got the one interception. Obviously, he's in Denver. So I'm just kind of looking over the box score to see some different things. Robbie Gold's still your kicker. Anyway. Those are some of the big differences. Dak was just okay last year, 23 of 43, 254, 1-1. One one. So that's a, that's a 69.3 rating. Nice, but not great. And as I said, Tony Pollard only had four carries for 14 yards. He'll be much more involved. Dalton Schultz, who had seven for 95 against Tampa, had seven for 89. So you had to give up something. You decided, okay, it was going to be the tight end last year. Amari Cooper no, no longer around. He had six for 64. Here's another thing that will probably be much different. CeeDee Lamb only had one catch for 21 yards at five targets. So, he, actually, they went, at, they went at him a little bit. But he only got, uh, got one catch in that. Tony Pollard had two for 12. Again, Tony Pollard then six touches in the game last year. That's not going to be the same. Uh, Micah Parsons, no sacked, one tackle for loss. So, there you go. That's, uh, that's what last year's game looked like. 23-17, we all remember. Dak Prescott slid, no time left. They were just outside the 20-yard line. They, they freaked out, but the reality was, were you going to get a, uh, a shot from the 20-plus-yard line? Maybe, but it uh, didn't happen. The 49ers moved on and eventually lost in the NFC Championship game. But I'm just looking at things that they can take advantage of. I'm looking at things that, uh, that we could be looking at as far as we look at that thing. Again, Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback. No Christian McCaffrey. Kittle only one catch. 12 tackles for Emmanuel Mosley. He's... And again, the big thing that jumps out, five sacks, 14 quarterback hits. So give me your thoughts on uh, taking on the Cowboys. A lot of people wanted to play Tampa. I mean, <laughs> if you're just joining us, I mean, if you didn't see the game, probably better that you watch something else. I mean, they, they, it, Tampa was like that all year. And I'm, I'm not, look, I make bad predictions all the time. I'm a bad prediction machine. In fact, if you bet opposite of me over the years, Say the you know, 11, 12 years I've been in San Francisco, if you bet opposite me every time I said this team's going to win, you could probably afford a house even in the Bay Area. But uh, before this game, I was just looking at it, and I based a lot of it on what I saw here with the 49ers against the Bucs. 
I was like, who thinks they're going to beat Dallas? Like, how could they possibly beat Dallas? The offense that you saw tonight from Tampa was the offense that you saw all season long from Tampa. Tom's struggling, can't get the running game going, offensive line can't hold up. Everybody's like, oh, Ryan Jensen, their center's coming back. He got hurt in training camp. He didn't play a regular season game. How good could he possibly be? The only time his name was called when he had a personal foul on a ball that was first called a fumble, and then, and then they later called it uh, a catch and down with Chris Godwin. He, there was, he didn't do anything from that standpoint. So uh, Tampa is who we thought they were. And so I'm confused. Should I be impressed because Dallas was so good tonight? Or should I stick to my original thought, which is Tampa is really bad? And so I'm not nervous about Dallas. Look, they look good. They look good tonight. They look like a team that if they play that way, they could come into Levi Stadium and give the 49ers real trouble. But I'm trying to grade this on a curve because Tampa stinks. So give me your thoughts on everything. Uh, Miguel says, uh, go Cowboys. Love you and Papa. It's kind of like when we bring, when I read something like that, and again, I respect that, Miguel. Uh, it's like when somebody, you know, we had uh, Sanjay Lal on last week uh, on our show with, with me and Papa. And Sanjay is the passing game coordinator and the, and the wide receivers coach for the Seahawks. And he was good, he's good enough to come on every single time we, we play the Seahawks, the 49ers play the Seahawks. And at the end of the interview, I accidentally this time said, good luck. I didn't mean it. I didn't wish him bad luck, and I didn't want anybody to get hurt, but I can't wish you good luck. So I hear what you're saying. Uh, my good friend, uh, Sons of Johnny LeMaster, who, by the way, Johnny, I did see your tweet today. I believe you were around the, what, 30-yard line at, uh, at Jerry World last year. That was a beautiful picture. He's, he's at everything. You were at the uh, uh, Packers game last year. Uh, Bavada's opening line. Thank you, Johnny. I needed this anyway. I was going to look this up. Minus four for the Niners, thinking Niners will win in double digits. Um, I'm hesitant to say double digits if it was going to be Tampa, which it never was going to be, but I would have said double digits if somehow Minnesota had won that game, which they did not. Uh, I would have probably said, I don't know, 7-8, because Minnesota just has no defense whatsoever. Um, just, again, just looking at it from a straight matchup standpoint. And by the way, uh, Dallas won their first playoff game, road playoff game, I should say, first road playoff game since they beat the uh, 49ers in the 92 season, 93 playoffs. And Dak was talked about, uh, asked about that over and over and over again. So, you know, Dallas has offensive weapons. Tony Pollard is really good. Uh, the 49ers have had, I'm just giving you the negative side, then I'll give you the positive side. And again, any questions, comments, thoughts, tell me I'm crazy or tell me whatever. Uh, give, me your, give me your thoughts. Uh, they have offensive weapons. Tony Pollard is a problem. Um, if you get good Dak, which is good for Dallas, bad for the 49ers, uh, he can be a problem. He can be accurate, but he can also make dumb plays as well. He didn't make those tonight against them. He didn't make the turnover play. He didn't make the stupid play. Now, for some reason, I think Tampa's defense is better than that. I mean, CeeDee Lamb on the third down, they, I mean, it just blew a coverage. Look like Carlton Davis just blew a coverage. They were terrible. Tampa's defense was terrible. That had nothing to do. And I don't know if that permeates through. Like, the defense is like, God, the offense is so bad, we should be bad too. I, I don't know if it's just in the water. Because that's not a bad defensive unit. I mean, if you look at Vita Vea and the, the linebackers that they have, the secondary they have, Antoine Winfield. I mean, you're looking at that team going – you shouldn't be that bad. I mean, I, I thought that game was going to be like 12-10 or 17-12. Or, you know, I thought Dallas was going to win, but Tampa's defense was horrible. So, anyway, we don't need to talk about Tampa. Um, do I think they're going to win? Back to the original question, which is, do I think they're going to win in double digits? It's so hard to do in the playoffs. Um, you know, again, if they can get the turnovers, if they get the turnover-prone Dak Prescott, Absolutely. Uh, the one thing that concerned me about Seattle that teams are going to do moving forward, no question about it to me, and we talked about it all throughout the season, the depth in the middle defensively. Eric Armstead is fine. Kevin Givens hopefully just got his feet under him after one game. Uh, Javon Kinlaw is not even not anywhere near to where he was picked, and I don't expect him to be. I just needed need we just need as you know as the 49ers to get I don't know. 25 solid snaps, and he's just he's wildly inconsistent. Teams are going to run right at the 49ers. And Seattle did that with some success later in the game um, with Ken Walker. So they're going to try to establish the, the run a little bit. Although in the NFL, and I, I don't remember who said this today, but it's 100% true, it's not that you run to set up the pass anymore. You pass to set up the run now. Like, oh, geez, now we got to worry. Oh, they just ran it. 
You know, so if Dak Prescott can't get the running, can't get the passing game established against the 49ers, then they won't be able to establish a running game. The thing that concerns me is, and I, I would have been more concerned if it was Mike Evans, although just Tampa just didn't have any chances. But will Shavarius Ward bounce back? I mean, I I said this today on the show. Sometimes you have to give credit to the other guy, and Shavarius Ward wasn't very good against DK. DK Metcalf can be really focused in. And then there's other times where he can just be a head case and not be real focused at all. If he was focused like he was focused Saturday against the 49ers, he'd be the best wide receiver in the league. Um, he kind of got bullied a little bit against the Rams. He got bullied last time as much as you can bully DK Metcalf against the 49ers, and Ward had a great game. And I think he came out focused and dedicated. They threw a, Early in the game, they threw a short pass to him, and he kind of bullied uh, Shavarius Ward. And I thought that kind of set a tone. Then he beat him on the 50-yarder over the top. Um, I just I don't think Shavarius Ward is going to play that way. The the maybe the biggest thing that came out of the wild card win is Debo Lenore played well. Now maybe that gives him confidence. Maybe it doesn't matter week to week, but that's really the weak point, honestly, on the 49ers defense. So you can bet that the Cowboys are going to be throwing things at that. But the tight end position, Schultz at the tight end position is going to be an issue for them. So look, they don't have the kind of weapons that the 49ers do. But I'm answering the question of do you think it's going to be double digits? I don't think it's going to be double digits now. Eight, I can see that. One of the positives, too, is, and I think you'd have to admit that, admit this, even if you're the biggest Brock Purdy fan, he was a little nervous at the beginning. He went 9-19 in the first half, threw the touchdown, but he missed a couple of throws. Um, there's no doubt. And here's the thing, too. Now that we all have the All-22, can I do this short, short rant? We have the All-22, and so what happens is we have all these Twitter scouts, and they pour over the film, just like, remember the guy that said that, that Trent Williams was showing whether it was a run or a pass? Remember that guy? And Trent Williams kind of put the guy in his place. Like, you don't understand the game, man. You don't know what kind of pass it's going to be. You don't know what kind of run it is. Like, everybody backed him up and went, yeah, that's stupid. And last time I checked, Trent Williams is pretty good. And so, you know, every now everybody looks at the All-22 or Twitter scouts look at the All-22 and they go, oh, he missed this throw and Debo was open here and this and this and this. And we have so many angles and so many cameras and then we have the All-22 and then everybody dives. Not everybody. Uh, people with no life then dive into the All-22, and then they pick stuff out. So, yeah, Brock Purdy missed, was late on a couple of throws that could have been touchdown throws. And I'm not talking about Brandon Ayuk. Somebody said that I said that. I didn't. Uh, what I was talking about is there was a Juwan Jennings. There was a Debo Sam in the first half. There was a uh, Juwan Jennings in the second half where it was they're open, they're open, they're open, they're not open. And the Jennings one he completed, the Debo one he didn't. Then he missed Debo on a read on the one that he went deep to. I don't know why I'm doing this. But the one that he went deep to, Ayuk, Debo was open, crossing right in front of him. But that happens. And so we look at the All-22, and, we, and because we scrutinize the quarterback so much, because we can't scrutinize the guard or the tackle or anything else, and I include myself in that, I don't know what the hell they're supposed to do. And the quarterback is obvious. Hey, you missed Debo on that throw. Hey, what, what are you doing here? So we, you know, we sit there and we scrutinize it. You realize that like during a game, you know, the offense has the ball 60, 70 plays. Guys are going to screw up. It's just that with the quarterback, you see it. With the tight end who runs a wrong route or a receiver or a tackle or whatever, we don't know. So we don't know what they're supposed to do. Anyway, I don't know why I went on that rant. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Johnny, can the Cowboys get a new kicker on the roster? Has anybody – hit me up on this. Has anybody ever seen that? If you didn't see the game tonight, what did you miss? Four extra points in a row? And then finally the Cowboys just said – we're not kicking it anymore. And that's when there was the blown coverage on the Bucks, and um, and CeeDee Lamb scored that touchdown pretty much uncontested on a, on a fourth down because they're just like, what's with this guy? So, you know, that's actually a really good thing. I don't know what you can do if you're going to the game. I'm in this – when I'm at the 49ers game, I'm in this, like, booth. It's all shut off, so I can't really do anything. But can we do something? Like, you know when a guy's at the free throw line – and they maybe they can't do this anymore, but remember they used to bring like you know pinup posters and stuff of girls in, in bikinis. I remember Larry Bird. I think it was in Houston or something like that. Maybe it was Philly, and you could distract the guys. Is there anything we can do? I mean, the dude missed four extra points. I think it was three right, one left. He tried to overcompensate, and then he missed the other one. And it was like he comes off the field, and like the guys are all trying to pat him on the back, but it's like, dude, that's like missing like four dunks in a row uncontested on a fast break, like. It's an extra point, and clearly it was in the guy's head. So I don't know. And as far as I, I can think, because the number was 31, but he missed all those extra points. So they didn't kick a field goal. They didn't attempt a field goal, I don't believe. 
Those are all missed extra points. They should have had 35 points. So I don't know if that's just an extra point thing. I don't know if that's a field goal thing. But that could be huge next week because I expect the game to be close. Robbie Gold in the playoffs has never missed. I hope I didn't just jinx him. He's never missed an extra point. He's never just a field goal. So you got that versus a guy, what is it, Brett Maher. Uh, he, he couldn't make an extra point tonight. I couldn't believe it. I've never seen anything like that. It was absolutely insane. Uh, Antonio says Brady was definitely overwhelmed tonight. Look, again, far be it from me. Maybe Brady's got an injury. Uh, I remember when he was with the Patriots and they lost that playoff game to the Titans in Foxborough. And everybody, and I included this, and I've never been one to say Brady's done, Brady's done, Brady's done. I don't know why that became a thing. We loved it in the sports where we do this, in, in general population, general stories, news, we do this. We build a guy, we build a guy, we build a guy, then he gets to a certain level in life, and we like to break him down. I don't know why that is. And so Brady gets to a certain level, and jealousy gets to the best of everybody, and it was a race to see, oh, he's done. Oh, he's done. Oh, he's done. Like all the talking head shows, Brady's done. Look at, ah, he's not playing good. Oh, he threw an interception. Brady's not good anymore. And it was like, I just sat back and I'm like, why? I, I don't have to be first on this. Like, he's going to prove you all wrong. He did it again and again and again and again. And he went to Tampa and he won a championship. And even if you were the biggest Joe Montana fan, I mean, Joe never won, lost a Super Bowl. That's the argument if you want to have the argument of best quarterback. But Brady has like every, every record, the longevity, you know, the Super Bowls, the Super Bowl appearances. Like, you pretty much got to say that he's the guy. And so I'm not racing to say, oh, it's the demise of Brady. I'm one of those people that, like, I like that a lot of the great players of our generations, I, I got to cover Michael Jordan. I got to, you know, all these different, I got to see these guys play. Like, I wasn't ready for their demise. I wasn't, when Jordan was playing for the Wizards, I wasn't like, ah, ha, ha, he's not any good anymore. You know, I just, no. Like, I, I'd like Brady to be good forever. I'd like to see him play till he's 50, and then you can talk to your grandkids and go, Brady played, well, they could, they're probably still watching him play. But it's like, you know, I watched Tom Brady play. That's I don't know what that is with sports fans, but with like when those players played in our generation, it's almost reflective in some weird way of us. Like, I saw him play. You did not see him play. So as far as Brady is concerned, I'm not – my point in saying all that is I'm not jumping to to crow at the demise of, of Tom Brady, but as I watch the game tonight, I'm going, look, maybe they can't get on the same page. Maybe this, maybe that. Maybe it's pressure. Maybe it's – but he looked like a 45-year-old guy playing quarterback tonight for – I mean, he looked like that against the 49ers too. He's smart. He sees it. But as they always say, father's time, father time is undefeated. And it looked like tonight Tom Brady could see it, couldn't get it there a lot of times, couldn't move, couldn't get out of the way of the rush. I mean, if he has a great offensive line, Tom Brady can – you know, but he missed throws tonight. He missed open guys tonight. And you could tell his frustration was not only with his teammates – but a couple of the throws he made were just bad throws, just bad reads. I mean, he was thrown into two and three guys, and you're going, that's not Tom Brady. Now, again, maybe there's an injury, and maybe Brady comes back and he plays for the Raiders or the Titans or whatever the heck team he plays for. He's not playing here, by the way. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Rap Sheet said over the weekend that there were three teams interested, 49ers, Raiders, and Titans. I could see Raiders for a year. There's no question the irony in that. But I could see the Raiders for a year without Derek Carr. Maybe they draft somebody, develop somebody. Maybe they maybe they like Jared Stidham. Uh, I was at that game. He looked pretty good for one game. He backed up uh, Brady when he was in New England. I, I think Stidham was around then. But my point is, is that he's not coming here. Like Brady to me, uh, two years ago, should they have gotten him when he signed before he signed with the Buccaneers? Should they have gotten him? Probably, but they didn't. And now I think it's too late. I just you, you have to have the perfect situation for Brady. You have to have a perfect offensive line. And he obviously, all season long, Godwin wasn't himself. And Evans wasn't himself, and they had no running game. So if you don't have a running game, and you don't have elite talent, and you don't have an elite offensive line, then Tom Brady can't sit back there and pick you apart. He can't be the guy anymore amongst these elite quarterbacks of like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and all these different guys who make everybody better around you. When he was in New England, Bill Belichick didn't have to bring in great receivers and didn't have to have all these, you know, you had to have a solid offensive line for Brady all the time, and you definitely wanted a running game. But you basically could say, hey, Tom, you'll make these guys better. You'll make these receivers better. Now Tom needs it to be perfect. And to me, and I said this a little bit earlier on in the podcast, I don't know if Tom Brady doesn't seem like it because none of the greats are this way. 
that could take a you know a lesser role. Hey, Tommy, wanted to hand it off. Like, remember when Peyton Manning won his last Super Bowl? They basically won that Super Bowl, run the ball, and playing defense. Does Brady want to do that? Maybe. Maybe he just loves the game so much. It's like, dude, I I I am literally going to have to be dragged off this field. Like Tom Brady just got hit really hard, and he's going to have to be dragged off the field, and that's when he's going to end. If I had a three hundred and twenty-seven million dollar contract and still looked like and and everything and all my appendages were moving and I was fine like Tom Brady, I would leave. But he obviously has a love affair with football that is incredibly deep, and he doesn't want to leave. <laughs> I mean, that's what it comes down to. But he looked bad. He looked bad tonight. I mean, again, the demise of Tom Brady has been greatly exaggerated. Tonight, he looked 45. Uh, Johnny says, expecting a lot of Cowboy fans on Sunday. No doubt. Uh, Seahawks fans used to travel really, really well. They've kind of tailed off a little bit. Uh, Packers fans always travel well. Um, The Raiders game, I'm trying to think the preseason game, there was quite a few. But, yeah, I don't think anybody – I mean, again, I, I lived in Pittsburgh with the Steelers. Steelers fans travel well. 49ers fans, absolutely. But I would say, if you're saying who travels the best, and I don't know why this is, I would say Cowboys fans, 49ers fans, Steelers fans, those are probably like the top three. Um, I could be wrong in that. Give me your thought. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of Cowboys fans. For some reason, they're everywhere. I mean, they just are. I mean, Texas is a massive state. I worked in Dallas. I did Cowboys pre and post game. I mean, it's just, my wife and I, my first wife and I lived there, and on Friday night, we lived um, kind of what the equivalent of De La Salle. So we lived about two miles from this high school in, um, in Texas, in the Dallas area. And literally, you could go to any restaurant you wanted. Like the hottest restaurant in town, if it was a Friday night in, in this part of Texas, you could go wherever the heck, you could go anywhere at any time. Oh, you want to go on a, at 7.30 or 7 o'clock on a Friday night to the hottest place in town, you could because high school football would have 60,000 people. I'm not even exaggerating in a stadium and no one was out. Now about nine o'clock or nine 30 when the game got over. Yeah. You, you had to clear out because then everybody came out. But my point is, is that it's Friday night, high school, no joke. It's Saturday. And we carried the Dallas Mavericks and I was there and people were like Mavericks. I was of course, um, a host and ran a station when the, uh, we believe warriors beat the Mavericks. That was nice. But, uh, <laughs> When Mark Cuban came running into the studio and screamed at us, that's a story for another day. But, um, but they, I mean, it, it, that barely moved the meter there, and it drives Cuban nuts because it, you're behind high school, you're behind college. I mean, college is just, it's bananas. And then you get into the Cowboys on Sunday, and it's everything. So they'll travel anywhere. They'll spare no expense. And I agree with Johnny. There's going to be a ton. I dropped my glasses, so I'm not going to be able to see anything. Uh, there's going to be a ton of Cowboys fans on Sunday. Just be ready for it. And I don't know how they get in, and I don't know who they sell their tickets to. And I know that you know that 49ers, they don't want Cowboys fans in that place, but they'll slither in. I mean, that's just what they do. Um, annoying Cowboy fans. Uh, Mikey B. Yeah, there's no doubt. Any fans, uh, look, when you get to this point in the playoffs, and we talked about this on our show today, I don't know why it works like this, because I would be so pissed in the playoffs, and I grew up in a generation – in which you just didn't fraternize with the other team. Like, if your team lost, I remember when Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons against the Bulls and they lost for the first time, they just walked off the court. And I don't know if you watched Last Dance, but they just walked off the court and Lambeer and Mahorn and Isaiah Thomas and Joe Dumars, they just walked off the court. Like, they didn't shake hands, they didn't do anything. And that's, that was old school. I was down with that. I was like, yeah, they just beat you. They just knocked you out of the playoffs. The Seahawks and the 49ers were like hugging each other. John Abrams, who yanked Debo's leg... They're exchanging jerseys. I'm like, what? So it seems to me that, I don't know, maybe I'm 100% wrong in this, like fans have this <laughs> this hate for each other and don't get into fights and stuff. I, I saw a bunch of videos of like 49ers fans fighting each other. I know that's alcohol-related, but like have fun and everything and, and so forth. But anyway, I'm not going to lecture anybody. But uh, it, it does freak me out to a certain point because it's just not the way I grew up where after the game, these te- guys can go tooth and nail. Now, if it's a regular season game, certainly if it's a preseason game, if it's a regular season game, I understand that. But as far as a playoff game, like you just ended my season. I'm going to bend down and grab my glasses really quick. Maybe I lost them completely. I don't know. But, I mean, if it's a regular season game, eh, I see it to a point. But you just knocked me out of the playoffs. I'm not exchanging jerseys with you. We're not going to be friends. 
I'm not going to go slap high five. I'm not going to hug you. I don't care if we have the same agent. I don't care if you're my brother, literally my blood brother, and we need to go. I'm not hugging you right now. Like That's where I like Brady. I went into the uh, Bucks locker room after the uh, 49ers beat the uh, Bucks 35-7 to at Levi's a month or so ago, and Brady was just pissed. He was a red ass. He was mad. I can't believe he signed the, the Dre Greenlaw ball, even with Fred Warner there, like saying, hey, buddy, can you? and then he brought Dre Greenlaw over. And then Brady later lamented on the Let's Go podcast, like, oh, man, why did they do that? But, I mean, I don't, I don't know why they do all that stuff. Anyway. All right, went over the, uh, the game tonight, 31-14. Uh, the Cowboys look really good. I think you would admit that that's a team, if they play that way, where you're going, oof. But I have, I'll give you the first thing, and Johnny gave us the, uh, the numbers, what, four and a half on the, uh, on the line right now? Four and a half is the early line, 49ers favorite. So, again, if you're into the betting lines, depending, home field advantage is usually two and a half to three. So Vegas is saying that this is going to be a fairly close game. Last year, 23-17 with Jimmy Garoppolo, quarterback. The questions, and this is what we'll talk about tomorrow on our KMBR show, can Brock Purdy keep playing the way that he, he's playing? And more so, not, even, not only making the plays, because I'm not saying this is easy for Brock Purdy, because it's not. Because he's come in and something that Trey Lance couldn't do something that Jimmy Garoppolo sometimes struggled to do, which is just get the ball to playmakers. I'm making it overly simplistic. But one of the things that is underrated about what Rock Curdy has done so far is he's not turned the ball over. And it does make me a little bit nervous when he's running around crazy like Fran Tarkenton used to do. And he, he got away with it against Seattle, but does he try that one too many times and then there's a game-changing play and it's Michael Parsons? That makes me a little bit nervous. So I wonder if Kyle will talk to him because if you go back and you watch that game, he's a little loose with the ball. And I wonder if Kyle Shanahan, not wonder, I know that Kyle Shanahan will sit down with him and say, look, because he said it in the postgame press conference. It was kind of like, it's one of those situations. I remember when Steve Kerr would say this about Steph Curry early in his career, like when he would take 35-foot crazy shots and he'd go, no, 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 yes, you know, because it would go in. And that's kind of where Kyle Shanahan probably is with Brock Purdy. But the better teams you play – the more likely it is when you try to extend plays to that extent that you're going to make a mistake. And I'm not talking about the play in which it was supposed to go left, went right, and he finds Christian McCaffrey, buys himself a little bit of time in the pocket, did the same thing on the other side of the field, buys himself a little time. Elijah Mitchell's out there on the flat, buys himself a little bit of time, makes that play. I'm talking about where, you know, he's scrambling out one way and, you know, trying to, you know, evading a couple of guys, got the ball out there loose. A couple of times, he ended up just throwing the ball away. One time, obviously, he came back to the right. And if Brandon Ayuk makes that catch, that highlights everywhere. I mean, it was probably his best, most exciting play of the day. And then Ayuk, and he got a little flash and Barton right in front of him, but probably still nine times out of ten is going to catch that. I understand that's exciting and fun and everything like that, but it's not exciting and fun if it's a close game and Micah Parsons knocks it out. So that's all I would say. Look, just he, he's, he's great. Everybody loves him. I think it's great. I think he actually gives them their best chance to win a Super Bowl. Better than Trey Lance, obviously. Better than Jimmy Garoppolo. But he does have to watch ball security. If you're going to say one thing, he hasn't turned the ball over, and that's been a huge thing, where the 49ers are getting those turnovers, and Brock Purdy is not giving those turnovers away. And a lot of times, like we saw in the Seattle game, the Amenahue play, that's what changes the game. Because even though at one point it was 41-17 and ended up 41-23, with 2.25 left in the third quarter inside the 49ers' 25-yard line, Seattle is poised to potentially take the lead 24-23. A many who makes that play changes the whole game. 49ers get it back. They score. It's 31-17 at that point. They score again. You know, and then the, you know, the route is on. At 31-17, you felt really good. But if Seattle scores right there, it's 24-23. doesn't make that defensive play. He did. I get it. Just saying. All right. Uh, Parsons aggressively to our advantage, like Andy Reid did to Bosa. No doubt. But if you watch the game tonight, and look, I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form that Nick Bosa isn't the defensive player of the year. And I'm not doing that from a homer standpoint. He's the defensive player of the year. I'm not saying he's not. But if you watch the game tonight between Tampa and Dallas, what Micah Parsons does, he does similar things to Nick Bosa in that he interrupts so many, disrupts, I should say, so many plays. So stats that aren't even on the book. You've got to watch him on every single play. He's going to knock a pass down, which he did tonight. He's going to, you know, he's going to come off the edge. There was a play in the backfield in which Tampa didn't block him. That never happens to Nick Bosa. But he's just, he's a disruptor. He's a game changer. He's a guy that you have to game plan for. He's every bit 
the disruptor that Nick Bosa is in their defense. But you're right. He, he can be over-aggressive just like Nick can be over-aggressive. You can use that. They certainly used that against Trevon Diggs last year in the playoffs. Look, I, as many good things as I'll say about Dallas, and the only reason I am is because it's kind of fresh on my mind and they just beat up on the Bucs, and I can't decide whether the Bucs are that bad or Dallas is that good. But the numbers are the numbers, and Dak threw four touchdowns, and Micah Parsons was a problem, and Tony Pollard was really good, and uh, the tight end can present problems, and CeeDee Lamb looks like a better player than we saw last year when he only caught one pass for 18 yards in that playoff game. So, you know, some of these guys are better. Now, having said that, with the 49ers having Christian McCaffrey in this game, didn't have him last year against Dallas in the playoff game. Having Brock Purdy instead of Jimmy Garoppolo, that was a big difference. Uh, the one negative is, from a defensive standpoint, Emmanuel Mosley had 12 tackles in that game. He's not here. So I can guarantee you, Diamondor Lenore got an interception against Seattle. He's beating his chest. He's talking on social media. He's very confident. But guess what? It doesn't change anything. Dallas is going to attack you. And I think Javarius Ward will bounce back against, uh, against Dallas. I think that DK Metcalf, you just got to give him some credit. He was ready and he was focused and he outplayed Javarius Ward. And I'm not just talking about that 50-yard play. But I think that I think he'll bounce back. It's just, it's going to be, we are going to target Javarius Ward. Or excuse me, we're going to target Diamino Lenore. And we'll see. And same thing with Talanoa Hafunga. What you're talking about with Parsons is a little bit about, about uh, what Hafunga does. So that hasn't changed at all. Seattle really didn't take advantage of his aggressiveness. And Kyle did say during the week leading up, you know, he's just got to kind of pull it back a notch. He's an all-pro. Nobody's saying he's not. But sometimes teams use that aggressiveness against him too, the same kind of aggressiveness you're talking about. So there you go. Uh, Thank you, Johnny. He's keeping me up to date on everything. The line has moved to three and a half. Line's moved to three and a half, so – but again, that doesn't surprise me. It's a bunch of uh, Dallas people uh, shooting money at the thing and early on. And that's not that's not the Sharps. That's the fans. And so a bunch of Dallas fans are throwing money at the whole thing. It's bringing the number down. I get it. That's fine. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't bet on teams that are too close to me because I overanalyze it just like I'm doing now. Well, what about this? And what about that? And, uh, what, and then I, I get in my head and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I mean, it was easy for me to look at the game tonight and go, Dallas is going to blow out Tampa. Is anybody watching Tampa? They're eight and nine. They got smoked on the final game against Atlanta. They wanted to go nine and eight. They wanted to have a plus five hundred. Tom Brady didn't want to be under five hundred, and Tom Brady's not Tom Brady. I'm, I'm watching this team, and for some reason, there's something going on, and we're going to hear about it because defensively they were atrocious against Dallas. And as bad as they were offensively during the year, you could always look at Tampa and say, "There's a lot of talent on that defense." They didn't show it tonight. They were completely lost. They were terrible. I didn't understand people were saying Tampa, and there was a lot of people saying Tampa. And believe me, we did a poll today on my show on KBR. We wanted Tampa. And at the beginning of the weekend before any of the NFC happened, I wanted I thought Minnesota. I, and I didn't think Minnesota was going to win. I was just saying I, I, I wanted Minnesota because that defense was so bad. And I thought Dallas could beat Philly. And I thought we were going to get Dallas at San Francisco, or at least that was kind of my dream scenario was that Dallas would go play Philly, and that was the third time that those two teams would play. Dallas is better than the Giants, in my opinion, although Daniel Jones was really good against the Vikings, and that's something I never thought I'd say. I think Daniel Jones is probably a franchise quarterback. He looked really good against the Giants. Laugh at me all you want. But he looked really good against the Vikings. So now the Giants go into Philly. Do I think they can win that game? Probably not. Uh, they've, you know, The 49ers have got the toughest draw, but I said this this morning on my KMBR show at the end of the day. Because we ran a poll that asked whether you wanted to play Tampa or Dallas. Look, you're going to start playing good teams. It's the divisional. It's why everybody likes the divisional playoff. Now, Cincinnati and Buffalo on the AFC side, that's a good game. Uh, Kansas City in Jacksonville, not so much. I mean, if the Chargers had won, NFL playoffs are about matchups. If the Chargers had won and we're going to take on Kansas City, they know each other really, really well, that was going to be a really good game. And then you move over to the NFC, Giants and Philly. Yeah. Giants and Philly will be good if Jalen Hurts isn't the Jalen Hurts that was the MVP for a lot of the season. And I don't know what he's going to be. I don't know what his health is. If Jalen Hurts isn't that guy, and he wasn't in his final game, but the Giants sat out everybody so it didn't matter. But if Jalen Hurts isn't that guy, and Daniel Jones is the guy who was playing in the Minnesota game, the Giants have a chance. Uh, The 49ers should beat the Cowboys, but it's not like – I looked at Seattle and went, come on. In fact, at the end of the show, of the uh, pregame show on KMBR on Sunday, or excuse me, Saturday, 
there was so much respect being paid to the Seahawks, and then we're fearful of this, and we're fearful of that, and they could do this, and they could do that, and they're playing a team for a third time. I finally cracked, and I just went, come on, man. <laughs> They've dominated these guys in two games. They're much better. Seattle's just happy at 9-8 and eight to be in the playoffs. This is going to be a blowout. Now in the first half, I look like a dummy, and I'm okay with that. But with five minutes left in the game, and it was 41-17, to 17, I looked at the person next to me and went, ha, because people were giving me grief the whole time. Now it ended up 41-23, but you and I would agree, the 49ers were clearly the best team. Uh, Dallas has got talent, and the 49ers are going to have to play a good, t- good game to beat them. Do I expect them to? Yes, I do. Do I expect them to play Philly for the NFC Championship game in Philly? Yes. Can the 49ers win that game? Yes, but that's a discussion for another time. I do think it's going to be 49ers and Eagles, and I do think it's going to be KC. I think the, I think the Bengals are going to pull an upset. I know they didn't play well against the Ravens, but I think it's going to be the Bengals and Chiefs again in the AFC Championship game. Tell me where I'm wrong. I could be. It's just it seems to me that the, the emotions are kind of getting to the bills at this point, you know? Like, that's a lot of, of stuff. And you can either kind of ride that wave to the emotion or it can kind of get to you a little bit. And, like, I thought they were going to blow out the Patriots after Naheem Hines on the last game of the year. When Naheem Hines ran that first touchdown back, I thought, this thing is over, man. And then it just it, – it, it's tough. It's t- tough to continue to ride that wave. Plus, I think Cincinnati's good. And I know that the Ravens hung with them with Tyler Huntley. But, again, I would take that into hey, – it's a divisional game. They know each other, blah, blah. I think that Cincinnati's good. And uh, I think that's going to be a t- – and then will, Casey, will they beat Casey again? I don't know. They've kind of got their number, but I don't know. But I think it'll be Casey and Cincinnati. I'm going to be the 49ers and the Eagles. Give me your thoughts on that. All right. That's good enough. 31-14, the 49ers uh, are going to play. or The 49, the Cowboys beat the Bucks, so it's going to be the 49ers and the Cowboys. We'll get into it all week long on KMBR tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Tune in. Our guy, Walter, who's our producer, is awesome. So he'll get us a bunch of great guests tomorrow. We'll have a bunch of uh, people in. I'm sure we'll go to Dallas. We'll get behind enemy lines. We'll start uh, looking at this game. Pop will have some guys he wants to talk to. And then uh, the rest of the week. Thursday, we'll be down with Tim Ryan, as we always are, at Levi's Stadium. Wednesday, we'll be down at Levi's Stadium. So we'll have you covered on everything. By the way, just because we did this chat on a Monday doesn't mean we won't do one on uh, Wednesday. So I do Wednesday chats at 7 o'clock on the YouTube channel. So make sure you tune into that as well. We just, we'll talk about anything. You want to talk about Giants? You want to talk about Warriors? You want to talk about uh, 49ers? You want to get into the NFL playoffs? Whatever. No questions off limits. I don't care if it's about sports or not. So Wednesdays, we'll get into it. I just wanted to do a quick live chat for the uh, Cowboys beating the Buccaneers tonight. Just give you a first look of what I thought. We looked back on the uh, playoff game a year ago, 23-17. And by the way, that was a year ago today, January 16th, 2022. So exactly a year, and then we find out we're going to play the Cowboys Again, and, I, and again, if you want to look at advantages, Jimmy Garoppolo was in that game. Now you got Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey was in this game. You got CMC. Uh, as far as Dallas is concerned, a uh, ton of changes. Not a ton. Still got the same quarterback. I think Tony Pollard's being used more, obviously. Uh, Micah Parsons, I think, is a year better, although I think Bosa is too. Um, I think the 49ers should win, and it was a close game last year. Came within seconds, potentially, of them trying uh, for a uh, – First shot at the end. And I think offensively, remember, the 49ers got off to a really good offensive start and then just kind of stagnated the rest of that game. I think that uh, I think they have so many weapons now. It's going to be really tough to slow down the 49ers. And it's kind of interesting. I said I was going to go, and now I'm continuing to talk. But I do think it's kind of interesting. It hasn't completely flipped. But remember at the beginning of the season before they got CMC, they're averaging about 18 points a game. The defense is kind of holding the fort down, and you're thinking, okay, this is going to be a team that's going to win with defense, and they're going to score enough points to win. Now they're scoring 30-plus points a game, and at times you're seeing leaks in the defense. Now it's the big plays normally. We were talking about that up to Seattle, the Seattle game, and DK got the 50-yarder, but at times Seattle was kind of bullying that front a little bit, which you don't see very often. Hopefully the 49ers can tighten up everything defensively, and then you add this offense, and this is why everybody is picking the 49ers for the Super Bowl because you start looking at what this offense can do, scoring 30-plus points. The defense has been near and at the top the entire season. But now the offense is, I'm not going to say carrying the defense, but the offense is completely rolling. The defense has a couple of small leaks, shore up the defense, and this team is going to be looking at, at the Super Bowl. So anyway, all right, thanks for hanging out today. appreciate everybody. I, I really appreciate everything on the chat line. Do remember, subscribe to the channel, please. Uh, the YouTube channel, all you got to do, well, you're sitting on it right now, but uh, tell your friends, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I put out 
new episodes of the podcast on the YouTube channel every single day, every single morning. And then we do live chats whenever necessary, like this one, because we wanted to talk about the Cowboys and the 49ers. That's going to be the game at 3.30 on Sunday at Levi Stadium. And every Wednesday we do live chats. And then if there's breaking news, somebody signs, something happens, whatever, we'll jump on and we'll do live chats. If you want to listen to the podcast on your car, I just record the YouTube channel, put it in podcast form. You can get them wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, all those kind of things. We'll be back 10 a.m., 2 p.m. tomorrow on KNBR and listen to the podcast and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Unleashed, Bay Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KNBR Radio in San Francisco, only on the Locked On Podcast Network. Have a great night.